even if you're in a big city, even if you're surrounded by a lot of people, there's a very real phenomenon called crowded loneliness where there's a lot of people around, but you still, in some ways, the, the mass of people heightens your feeling of loneliness. There's a relational poverty. I don't have strong relationships. I think you see this if you go on a, a, a global mission trip. Our church worked in Haiti for, for about five years, and uh, we, a, lot, a, a chunk of us had an opportunity to go there. I, I went on one of the trips there, and one of the things you notice in Haiti, which was, I think, the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere, you, you see the material poverty pretty quickly. You, you see... Uh, entire like cities made out of tents and people are living there. It's like, oh man, that, and, and, and you first you go, man, oh, that's so hard. And how do they, how do they do this? And then you get to know some folks within the church there or with the community there. And you see a lot of joy in people's lives. And, and you think, man, like there's, there's a real spark here in people. There's joy there in people. Not that they don't have bad days and all that kind of stuff, but there's, there's something great here. And you go from feeling like bad for them to feeling bad for yourself. You're like, they have something I don't have. There's a relational connection there because they're relying on one another. They're, they're, and, you, and you come to recognize some, something is missing in my life. Or in r- reality, you could say someone is missing. Um, what we tend to do in our culture is substitute those real relationships with like digital ones. So we don't have real relationships. We have likes and follows and that kind of thing. Um, I was looking. Uh, I was looking up this, the the stats on who has the most Instagram followers in the world. Uh, the third most. Uh, it kind of goes back and forth on second and third, but the third most Instagram followers in the world is this person, Selena Gomez. Um, and uh, so she has like 146 million or 136 million Instagram followers. Um, you're wondering right now who is number one and number two, aren't you? Uh, I'm going to close that loop for you because I don't want you to whip out your phone and Google that right now. Just so I just I know in your soul you're dying right now. There's information that you don't have. Uh, number two is Ariana Grande. Number one is Cristiano Ronaldo. So there you go. Now you know. Glad glad to do that for you. Um, Selena Gomez has all these millions of followers, and in a tour a couple years ago, she had a total breakdown and checked herself into a clinic where she got rid of her phone for 90 days, and she said she needed to unplug, and she poured herself into six women that she was in relationship with, these six people, and that was what she focused on because she had recognized something had gotten crazy out of control. Um, Freedom and health in relationships does not come from having a bunch of followers, it comes from knowing people and actually being known. So the truth is, you may be, if, if, if you walk with the wise and you become wise, if, if, I, if you show me your friends and I'll show you your future, the truth is, um, you may be one friend away from a different future, one relationship that will shift some things for you and it will change the course of your life. And so let's talk about who gets into that circle of friends with you um, and, and how, you, how you build that. I, I, w- I want to give you some principles about how to choose friends wisely, except these aren't things I made up. We're actually going to learn these from Jesus today because he's much smarter than all of us. I think if you look through the Gospels and see what Jesus did, you'll see how he navigated a lot of people and how he built relationships and, and what level of relationship he had with people. And, and I want you to see it. First, we need to notice that Jesus had large crowds around him at all times. Mark chapter 3, verse 7. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great crowd followed from Galilee and Judea. 
Further on in Mark chapter 8, in those days when again a great crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples and he said to them, and he kind of deals with that. Uh, 46 times just in the book of Mark, it talks about the crowds that are gathered around Jesus. Now Jesus does his ministry around the Sea of Galilee in northern Israel, and thousands and thousands of people are swarming around him. So he, he definitely was surrounded by, by crowds at all times. If I could sort of draw this out for us visually, um, and I have really bad handwriting, you guys, so we're just going to do our best here. Okay, um, if Jesus is in the center here, um, around him then is this group of people, we'll just call it the crowd. And let's just say this is about uh, maybe a thousand plus people that are, are around Jesus, that are around him. Uh, and the truth is, you have a crowd like that also. I don't know if it's a thousand, uh, maybe you have a thousand Facebook friends, I don't know, but it's people that you're not always around, they're just people that you know that you know, that you've met one time or that whatever, like you might recognize their name or whatever, but there's a crowd of people, people at school, people at work, uh, there's, there's this crowd around you. Jesus had, had that as well. But in, within that crowd, uh, there's, there's, a, there's another group that Jesus had, uh, and this is about, uh, this is, uh, we'll call this group his disciples. So the word disciple, you can hear, kind of see the word discipline in there. Um, it, it, it's the idea of being an apprentice. It's someone who follows after Jesus to learn to be like Jesus. So if you're a master carpenter, a disciple, an apprentice under you would come alongside you and learn how to be a carpenter. This is what Jesus had. He had a group of disciples, and we're going to say about 120 to 150 people fit in that group. Um, that's, there's just some evidence of some different groups that are around Jesus, and it seems to be this crowd. These people are more bought in on Jesus. They're not just, wow, I'm going to show up for the fun events, but they're like, I'm in on this thing. Um, and the truth is, you have this around you as well. Sociologists would say that that's about the number of people that you can kind of keep, keep track with. About 150 people is maybe the max that you could know. Um, and in, that's about the size of this room of people. Um, and so this is about the size crowd. A lot of churches never grow past about 150 people because they rely on the senior pastor to know everybody. And there's just a limitation there unless they come up with some system where other people can know other people and they don't all have to know the senior pastor. They'll never grow past 150. That's just like a reality. So you may not call them disciples, but you have another ring inside of people that you know and that you kind of keep some sort of tabs on. You might get Christmas cards from them or, or whatever. So there's, there's that, that circle as well. But look what happens out of that circle. Look at what Jesus does. In Luke chapter 6, it records this. In those days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. So if he's praying all night, you know something important's going to happen. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12 whom he named apostles. Now, that's a thing I'd like to see how that went down. Like, I would really like to see how he did this. Because I got to think, if there's 100 plus people, and he's like, everybody come here, everybody come here. I need 12 of you, because you're going to be like my, my, my tight group of, of friends. I, I, I'm going to need 12 to accomplish what I'm going to do. Like, how many people are like, oh, me, like, pick me. Like, they're jumping up and down like they're trying to get on the prices right. Like, it's like, oh, you know, oh, let me do it, let me do it. And he's like, you, we're going to take you. No, put your hand down, sir, No. Uh, you, you know, like weird, right? It's like kickball, but the worst. It's like the worst kind, you know, and then so 12 people get picked and 100 plus people go away like, oh man, I, I thought I was like one of his 
you know, it's a close one. So, uh, but, but no, so he, he pulls out of that 12, uh, out of that 150, he pulls another circle, and we all have the circle too, and I'm going to call this friends. Now, he called it apostles, but later in the scripture, he's going to say, I call you friends. So this is, this is a group that he's, that he's tight with, and there's friends, and there's 12 of these people, which makes sense. You can't really like pour into 120 people, but with 12, you've got a shot of like getting to know these people and being in relationship with them. But even among the 12, he gets a little more select than that. You see multiple occasions where he pairs the 12 down to a smaller number. Look, um, he goes to heal someone in Mark chapter 5. There's this girl who's died, and he goes to to, to see her. Um, and listen to what it says, Mark 5, 37. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. So from that 12, he takes three with him on this important mission. Um, and you actually see that show up over and over in the Gospels, Mark chapter 9. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. So there's 12 of his friends, but there's only this group of three that he gets to do uh, special things, that they, they get to see some special experiences of him. Now, if I'm one of the other nine of that 12, and I see Jesus favoring those three, and if you were this way, if you were in there too, wouldn't you try to get in on that circle? Wouldn't you be like, man, how come they always get to be like the special ones? Like, I'm his friend too, you know? Jesus is doing incredible things. I want to be like his right-hand man. Why, 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 why just those three guys? In fact, Andrew almost pulls it off. Look at Mark 13. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives, Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? I see that. I'm like, go on, Andrew. You slide on in there. Look at you getting in with Peter, James, and John. Because they want to know, like, special insider information. They want to be like, hey, tell us what's going to happen in the future. And, and James walk, uh, Andrew walks over, and he's like, hey, guys, what's going on? What's going on? What are you guys talking about, you know? He's like your little cousin, you know, is like trying to get your presents at your birthday or whatever. He's like trying to get in there. Good for Andrew. I, I, I get it. And yet, it doesn't work. Still, when Jesus is about to die in the Garden of Gethsemane in Mark 14, and they went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John, sorry, Andrew, and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death, remain here and watch. So when the end comes, he takes these three with him to pray. Now, what do you think about that? You could say, oh, Jesus is cliquish. You say, oh, he's, he's kind, of a, kind of a jerk. He's just cutting people out and like not you know he's just focused he's just got his 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 friends or you could say maybe Jesus knows something about human relationships that that we don't know so in addition to his circle of 12 Jesus has um I'll call it an inner ring okay I don't have a better thing of of three call it inner ring you can call it for you this is your fellowship of the ring this is your you want to nerd it out. This is your squad, your ride or die. I don't even know what that means. Are we, are we, ride, are we dying? Are we, I don't know. But that's a, a, a circle of people that's really tight with you, right? And Jesus had that too. 
which is, which is weird. He's intentional about it. Here's what I want you to see. Jesus loved everybody. He just didn't love everybody in the same way. It doesn't mean everyone got the same access to him. He came to serve everyone. He just couldn't serve everybody one-on-one. His goal was to change the world, and he did that by pouring into a select few of pe- few people and then let them spread out and, and influence the world. And it worked because we're still talking about it today. Now, if this was like a leadership seminar, we could probably take all sorts of leadership principles and say, well, we have our, we have our potential customers and then, you know, in business, and we can say, okay, these are the people that are engaged with us. They, they've signed up for our email list. And, and so, and then this is our team that's working hard to, to build new leads. And then, and, and then I've got an inner management team, and this, this is how we, we make these decisions together. Like, you could do it that way if you want. But I think the application for us that we should think about is the kind of friendships that, that we have. The key, really, then, is to be intentional about these two groups. Who gets to be in your group of 12, and who gets to be in your group of three? If you think about it in the church, you probably have 120 people to 150 in this room, um, a particular ministry. If you said area 10 kids, if you serve in kids' ministry, there's a community there, a larger group, uh, women's ministry, men's ministry, there are these groups that you're in, um, and, and that's, that's, that's a circle. And then within that, there's uh, maybe a friend group of 12, we would call it like a small group or a starting point or any of those kind of groups, we'd say like, hey, get in these groups and get to know some people, that might be part of your circle of 12. And then within that, you might have just a couple people that you're accountable with or that you sit down and talk to more regularly. Um, it, it is really important who goes in the 12 and who goes in the 3. Why? Because if you walk with the wise, you'll become wise. If you're a companion of fools, you'll become a fool. If you show me your friends, I will show you your future. So let me tell you how this works for me. Um, I started writing this out in, in Evernote and just thinking through like, okay, who, who goes in my, my 12? Um, who goes in my inner ring of 3? Uh, who, who do I have in that? Just write it out so I can be clear. Um, because I need this in my life. I need the 12. I need the 3 to, to, to walk alongside me because life is hard, right? My job is, um, my job's pretty stressful at times. And I'm not going to like, we're not going to compare jobs or whatever. Like I've met people that I thought, oh man, their job, I, that would be really hard, you know. It's, it's, you know, nurses or elementary school principals or people, you know, just people I bump into. I'm like, man, that's, that's really hard. But um, my job is stressful. In fact, the Apostle Paul spoke of this and uh, I was really interested in, I'm really interested in how he writes about it because he planted churches around the Mediterranean and he writes about it in 2 Corinthians. Look at what he says when he describes the hard stuff he went through. He says, I've been on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night. You all done that? Felt that, right? In hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. I love this. And apart from other things, there's the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. So all this stuff that sounds bad, all danger and hardship and suffering and cold and we're hungry and all that. And he's like, also, guys, the burden of just the church and the people in it is a ton. And I wish I didn't understand what he meant, but I do. I think about losing sleep over budget. 
stuff that you have to think about when you have an organization, losing sleep over budget. Can we, are we going to make budget? I think about um, people who are upset with me or people who are upset with each other, and then I have to try to help them and mediate that. Um, I, I think about the burden uh, that, that I carry of the families on staff at this church, and I want to see them flourish, and I want to pour into them, and I want to love them well. And so there's, there's, there's their families that I, I think about. Um, our job in ministry is flexible, but it doesn't go away. So there's a blurry line between home and work. And it's not something I just put it away when I get home. There's still the texts come in and the emails, and you go on vacation or something, and stuff still pours in. Um, and there's a, lot, there's a lot that you have to carry there. As a pastor, I get the opportunity to be with people in some of the best days of their lives at weddings and some of their worst days of their lives at a funeral. And so it's, it can be... A heavy load to carry. And I'm, and I'm not saying that my load is heavier than anyone else's. This is just the way it kind of lands with me. You may have a, a stuff on your shoulders as a shift supervisor or a teacher or a CEO or a nurse or many other roles that you, that you fill out there. And there's things that you have to do with family and friends that there may be a lot on your shoulders and you feel the burden and you feel the pressure. And I'm telling you, Jesus needed an inner ring. And so we do too. I need one. You need one. Uh, it's, it's crucial for all of us um, it, because those, that ring is going to shape who we are becoming. So how do you get this? Because I'm not trying to lay burden on you. I'm not trying to guilt anyone to be like, you should have this. And then you're sitting there going like, I don't have that. Thanks for the reminder. Okay, okay. Maybe that's the case. Maybe you could, you'd struggle to name three or 12 right now. That's fine. Let's start there though and go, okay, now you know it. Name it, write it out. And then let's, let's go after filling, filling those spots and, and trying to get to know some people and build those relationships. Um, how do we do that? First thing you have to do is initiate. I'm not going to talk long about this because last Sunday I talked about to be a good friend, you need to initiate. And so you're going to have to take the initiation and say, like, I'm going to step up. I'm going to get to know people. I'm going to invite people out. I, if no one's, you can't sit back and say, no one invited me into their inner ring. Like, you're going to have to reach out to people and say, like, hey, we both like you know, sports and let's go sports it up or whatever. Like we both like music, let's go listen to a concert or whatever. Like you got to initiate and see if there's a camaraderie there to, to, to build, um, to build a, a friendship. But what you're looking for when you initiate is for someone who will reciprocate, who will go like, oh, okay, um, I get that too. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And, and those people, if they reciprocate, there might be an opportunity for them to be even in your inner ring. But for your inner ring in particular, here's what I would suggest that you look for. It's two main things. Number one, look for people who will treat you as um, uncommon. Look for people who would treat you as uncommon. Another way of saying uncommon is to say to honor you. Look for people who will honor you, that they will look at you and go, there's something special there. We have something I value you. You're not just one of any of a bunch of friends, but I think you're a great friend. I, I want to honor you. because, And I don't mean honor you like bow down to you. That's weird. I just mean people that are for you. You know, you could be criticized by someone who honors you, and it feels like they're cutting you for the sake of healing you like a surgeon. And you could be criticized by someone who doesn't honor you, and it feels like they're cutting you like a butcher to slice you up. And, I, and it's, it's hard to know, but we've all felt that. You felt like, oh, this person, even though they're challenging me, they are for me. That's what I mean when I say you want to find someone who treats you as uncommon, who honors you. 
that, th- that they look at you and go like, man, there's something there, and I, and I want to be in relationship. Not, not, you're not just one of any a, a bunch of people to me. You're not disposable or, or common. You're uncommon. So look for someone who will treat you and that you would treat as uncommon, but also look for someone who is unimpressed with you, who is unimpressed with you. For me, I, uh, I gravitate towards that uh, and, and because it's easy when you, maybe in your job title or something like that, when you are a thing and then, you know, people see, treat you as the thing. So for me, I'm a pastor, a minister in a church, and, you know, people are like, oh, pastor, you know, and it's like, man, like, most of the time I'm like, would you just call me Chris, which is what my mom named me, you know, just call me Chris, that's fine. Um, and I get when people want to say, like, oh, I'll, I'll call you pastor, that, that's fine, but, like, it's weird because, like, you know, you go to a party, you introduce yourself as pastor. It's like a, it's like a conversation killer, you know. Like, so it, that's a weird thing anyway. But I just want to, to be in my inner ring, I want to be with people who just see me as regular and normal. I remember a, a guy years ago wanted to be friends with me. We hung out sometimes, and, we, and, we, we, and I enjoyed him. We, we would hang out, but he would sometimes seriously and sometimes jokingly just call me pastor. And I'm like, this just isn't going to work. If you just keep doing that, like, we're just not going to be friends. Because I, I, I'm just, like, regular. And if, we're gonna be, if you're going to be in a ring, I need you to be, like, not impressed by me. Um, we just need to be regular people together. And so I look for that. And I would challenge you to look for that as well. People who just see you as, as normal. Uh, there's, there's something great there. And that's how they can be in your inner ring. And then let me give you this final piece. If you're a follower of Jesus, and that isn't everybody in this room, but if you are a follower of Jesus, I would challenge you to find people in your inner ring who are followers of Jesus. You be in the center with Jay right there. Like you and Jesus together, be very careful who you allow into that inner ring. Because if your faith matters to you and you're trying to grow, you want people with you that are seeing that and are encouraging that. I see this with friendships. I see this with dating and marriage. I see people who are like get into, into close relationship with someone who does not share their faith and it becomes a very difficult thing because it's like you go to that person and, they, and you're like, man, I think God's been pushing on me and teaching me this thing and that person's like yawn or don't know or don't get it, don't care, whatever. Like that's not someone you want to have in the inner ring. You have to be careful there. Why? Because if you walk with the wise, you become wise. If you're a companion of fools, you become a fool. You want to be very careful about who's in that circle. And you want people who will spur you on to growth and challenge you to know Jesus more and to know Jesus better. So what can you do with this this week? First thing I would challenge you is um, write it down. So write down who's in your ring of three and your circle of 12. Put names out there. Do it on a you know, some sort of text file or what I just didn't ever know. I wrote down, okay, here's, here's those circles. Um, and look closely at who's there in those spaces. Um, and if you go, man, I don't have three. I don't have 12. Well, that's okay. Start there and go, okay, this, but this is who I do have. And I want to I I build this out and prepare. Um, I know it's challenging. Um, I, I've talked about... Um, we, we talked a little bit last week about how men feel lonely, uh, maybe even more so than women. I know there are women that are lonely. I know that's the case. But men 
generally have less friends. Uh, so my friend John here at the church sent me a, a meme, and it had a picture of Jesus and said the greatest miracle Jesus ever pulled off was having 12 friends in his 30s. Um, and I'm like, yeah, there's something to that, right? Um, so write down who are in those circles for you, um, and, and, and that'll be a good first step to, to be intentional about it. Because here's what I know about you, even though I don't know all of you. Um, in your soul, you know you need community. You need connection. You need to belong, to fit in, to have people with you by your side. Um, and if you can have that community around a mission, around purpose, it's so powerful for you it's so powerful for what we can do together, the impact. This is why I believe in the local church. This is why I believe in what we're doing here at Area 10. We're trying to build community around a mission that we want to transform lives in the city for the city. We want to see people come to Christ and have him change their lives, and we want to see it ripple out all over Richmond and beyond. Um, it's a powerful mission. I understand the church is disappointing. I understand that this church is disappointing. I understand that every denomination like across the world has issues, that there's uh, abuses of power and there's, there's struggles and there's like disappointments and they let me down here and they didn't do this and they didn't handle this well and I get all of that and I, and I hate any part I've had in any of that and that, that, you know, it's one thing if I had come here to be the pastor of a church that already had its own set of stuff, it'd be like, okay, well, I, I inherited a mess. It's like, no, but I, I started this church. So if it's a mess, it's also my fault, right? Like, it's like, they got nobody to blame before me. It's like, uh, so I get the disappointment within the church, and yet I still believe that this connection to Christ that we have here is the hope of the world, and there's something great here. And I want to challenge you to lean into it and, and build out those relationships. The church is imperfect, but I need it, and you need it because I need, I need these circles in my, lives, my life. God designed us that way. I need to do life with people who love me and who will remind me of hope when I feel hopeless. And, and if you're on the outside in the church, if you feel like on the outside looking in, um, let's change that. Don't let that be the case forever. That may be the case today. But take a risk and actually move towards the center of that circle. Uh, we're, we're doing so much stuff this summer. Well, summer fun, and we're going to do some summer studies uh, that you could show up to and get to know some men and women and just different groups. Um, sign up for this stuff and show up uh, and, and, and step in and, and move from the outside to the inside so that you can um, walk with a group of people and so hopefully that you will become wise because you're walking with the wise. Let's pray. Jesus, I, I, I thank you for the, um, the model you gave us for community, for how you showed us um, where to invest our time and our energy in the groups that you worked with. God, I don't know what it was like for the disciples to be, to nine of them to feel out on the outside, but we see the wisdom in it, in, in how you handled the, the circles that you had around and what you needed to see happen in the church um, and the mission that you were on. God, may we, if we're feeling the disconnection today, may we reach out the, uh, this week, this, this month, through the summer, and build connection and get to know people so that uh, relationships can form and, um, and, and growth can, can occur within, within the body here. God, use us as a community to reach this city for Christ. In your son's name we pray. Amen.